Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. I use Banzoogle because they offer a free custom domain name, a commission-free store, a mailing list platform, and live support from their musician-friendly teams seven days a week. You can click the link in the episode notes or go to banzoogle.com and use promo code JEWISHSONGWRITER, all one word, to try it free for 30 days and get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Banzoogle, websites built for musicians by musicians. Welcome to Jewish Songwriter, the podcast by, for, and about Jewish songwriters. I'm your host, Sheldon Lowe, and each week I interview a different Jewish songwriter to learn a little bit about their music, their lives, and their writing process. These songwriters are some of my favorite people, and I'm excited to talk to them, draw inspiration, and to share it all with you. If you're like me, you're constantly looking for new Jewish music, so I've asked each writer to share about a new song which you'll be able to hear in full on the Jewish Songwriter Spotify playlist and YouTube channel. Best of all, if you subscribe to this podcast, it'll automatically download to your device each week for free. This week's Jewish songwriter is Todd Herzog. Welcome to Jewish Songwriter, Todd. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. You know, we've been friends for a long time now, and uh, I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, I already know your background, but uh, for our listeners, could you give us a brief um, sort of uh, story, a, a brief little bio of how you came to be who you are today? Um, I grew up in Spring Valley, New York, which is a little town about an hour north and west of New York City. Yeah. So, yeah, suburbs, but um, close enough to the city where you could go in and see a Broadway show or uh, go in and see the all the shops and the Christmas tree at Rockefeller Center. And, mm-hmm. and then you move to Boston for school and then L.A. Yeah, L.A. to pursue the singer-songwriter dream mm-hmm. uh, lived there for seven and a half years and uh yeah it was an interesting ride yeah i was one of those jewish kids who had a bar mitzvah and took off after that and uh really did not come back to my own tradition until after college and um was teaching at a jewish high school and working with kids in the instrumental band. And uh, we started writing music that had sort of a connection to Judaism through uh, text or holiday and gave them the assignments because uh, they wanted to play Blink-182 and Green Day and Fallout Boy. And so we started just kind of creating our own um, compositions that were based on these ideas. And before long, I kind of got sucked in and... Uh, and saw the beauty in the tradition and began writing my own music along those lines and then um, ended up moving to Phoenix and became uh, the cantorial soloist over at Temple Solel in Paradise Valley. And um, so now I do that and I am a singer and songwriter. I've released six CDs of uh, some Jewish, some secular music, and I travel around the country and do concerts and performances and artist in residence weekends. So um, that's my story. I started off my music career writing Jewish music and have only recently been exploring 
writing secular music, um, but I'm really interested in other people who discover Jewish music after doing secular music. Could you tell me about that sort of moment or that realization that you wanted to explore Jewish music? Sure. Um, well, I was saying I had been teaching at this um, Jewish high school called the New Community Jewish High School, and the um, the director at that school kind of threw down the gauntlet to me, and he said, uh, you know, we can capture the intellect of the students with biology and math and science. It's your job to capture their hearts with the mm-hmm. music. and um, An easy task. <laughs> yeah, right. I had some interesting conversations about this with um, the one of the, my uh, supervisor at New Community Jewish High School. I had a I was teaching instrumental Jewish band at the at this high school. This was not the head of the school. This was my supervisor, and he was an artist, uh, and his name is Benny Ferdman. Mm-hmm. And he would talk about the way that in Jewish art, whether it is Jewish art or Jewish music, that there are just like these multi layers of meaning and depth contained within it versus, you know, just a straight up love song. Not that there's anything wrong with a love song, but you can have have symbolism in in the Jewish world that is just kind of lost in in mainstream music or, you know, there's, I should say there's different kinds of symbolism. But that's a good jumping off point, by the way, to uh, your song, Returning to Who I Am. Uh, Is it cool if we talk about that? Absolutely. So um, you actually shared this song with me, I believe, on the bench at Havana Shira this past year. Is that that right? (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It is true. Um, So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share the inspiration for that song. And I I know this is a very personal song, so if you don't feel like sharing, that's fine. Yeah, I I had been going through a a pretty dark time in my personal life and had really... Um, lost the the sense of myself and um, had made some decisions that I was not proud of and had um, ended up kind of separating myself uh, in my relationship and from my community and um, and this song was was written as a form of teshuva of uh, remembering who I am of, you know, like the song says, returning to who I am. And it actually, um, it, it was in a way an apology. And also it was, um, it was talking to God and, and, uh, that may or may not come across in, in the lyrics. Um, but I think with, as with many of my pieces, you can interpret it on, different levels and wherever it hits you is the right place for it to hit you. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was writing it, it was kind of more of a a personal uh, apology to God for having kind of strayed from the truth of of my own inner, inner being kind of. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, music helped me to uh, refocus that and to, uh, yeah, to once again, try to become whole. Now, uh, I don't mean to sort of commoditize this beautiful piece of art that you created. 
But, you know, I think it's fair to say that a lot of times in the Jewish world, we want to know how we can share this music or how we can use it to teach or how we can present it in worship. So I'm wondering, you know, I heard you perform it, you know, uh, just a personal performance on that bench. Mm -hmm. Uh, I heard, you know, I I saw you perform it again at the late night at Havana Shira. I'm curious, um, have you shared it elsewhere and have you tried to, you know, teach? Yeah. Have you tried to use it as like a teach in a classroom or at a worship service that you'd be willing to share? Uh, sure. Yeah. And, and it's actually, uh, it has become part of the Slichot service at our temple. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Slichot is kind of the opening of the high holidays when you are uh, taking stock of your, you know, your own moral inventory and trying to figure out how you're going to do better in the coming year. And um, so, yeah, I I feel like it has a very clear connection to the high holidays and can be used uh, particularly even with, you know, teenagers and um, students who have maybe a little bit much maturity level. Um, It could certainly be used as a high holiday or, you know, lead a month of Elul when we're doing cheshbon um, nefesh, you know, the searching of the of the soul, and uh, you know, to to include the song and and ideas that are associated with it in in that teaching, I think that would work really well. Nice. And um, have you actually taught it? And do you have any tips or like an intro or any type of little iyun or teaching? Um, that, you know, you could give as a tip to, to the listeners who want to share it? Um, you know, I, I have taught it, but only in my own community. Um, so I offer it uh, as, you know, a kind of the, the personal connection to the material. and um, But I don't think that that is necessarily the way that it would need to be taught if it was not, you know, the person who wrote the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that you could connect it to this, as I said, the month of Elul, this process of taking stock of your life and of being authentic. And, you know, that, um, well, you know, the the uh, story about Rabbi Zushia, uh, he's on his deathbed and he's in fear and his students are saying, well, what rabbi, why are you so afraid? And uh, you've been such a good and pious individual. And he's, he's going to be, he says, well, I'm not afraid that God is going to ask me, why were you not more like Moses? Why were you not like more like Abraham? He said, he said, I'm afraid that they're going to ask me, why were you not more like Zushia? Why were you not more yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think um, that in teaching the concept of tikkun olam that really it's up to each one of us to to try to be the most full and authentic version of ourselves that we can possibly be mm-hmm. thank you for sharing about that song i want to talk to you about just general composition do you have any um, exercises that you do or any hallmarks of you know the your compositional process that you think would be helpful um, you know, usually my compositions are sparked from some kind of personal experience that I'm going through, but that's not always the case. For me, um, the internet is an incredible 
wealth of information and inspiration. And uh, whether it's like looking for a piece of poetry that relates to the theme that I'm talking about or some um, other in inspiration, it could even be like an aish.com. That's a, a more mm -hmm. orthodox kind of thing or or Chabad, or the URJ website. They have all kinds of interpretations of each week's Torah portion. Um, I think those are all good starting places. And then once I get into the actual composition stage of things, I personally, I, I use a tool called Master Writer. Mm -hmm. um, and Master Writer, you can, it's... Um, yeah, I guess it's like a, now it's a subscription kind of thing. I you okay. pay like 50 bucks a year and um, it is online. So you go, you know, masterwriter.com mm -hmm. and then you can type in your lyrics and it has all sorts of um, resources like uh, rhyme schemes and synonyms and, hmm. um, you know, and you can choose if you want it to be like an exact rhyme or a close rhyme or right. not even, you know, so, and it has even uh, pop culture references. And anyway, so that wow. that's like just a helpful tool yeah. um, from the composition side of things. Um, used to use like these rhyming dictionaries and stuff like that mm -hmm. if, um, if I was I kind of stumped those. on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, this is like the next, the next step. <laughs> so totally. Um, yeah, that it, it's helpful. It's a, it's a good, a good tool. I, I do a lot of um, just free writing and journaling and trying to get past my own inner sensor. Um, mm -hmm. You know, more morning pages. I just kind of like put three pages of whatever down every morning. And um, wow, that you're just serious. You're a serious songwriter. I mean, that's what the that's what the real songwriters tell you you should do. I I don't do that, but I wish I did because mm -hmm. what it results in is, you know, when I do sit down to write, it results in like a day or two of just beating my head against a wall until things sort of loosen up until I do I am able to get past that, you know, that sort of sure. thing. You're sure. you're just in good shape always. Yeah, I mean, it's it, I think it is helpful to like keep the creative flow going. And, um, you know, then there are other sort of unrelated or but sort of related like meditation. I try to keep a meditation practice every morning and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, physical activity and just like getting out and going for a hike or whatever. Um, sometimes if you're stumped on a, an idea, you just got to change the scenery and get out and, and do something in the world. And I, and I just think the more different kinds of experiences that you have in life, the, um, the more interesting your songs are going to be. So mm -hmm. I think it's like filling your, um, your experience up with raw materials. Any tips that you would give or what your number one tip would be for uh, songwriters who are listening right now? Other than just, just trusting your own instincts and, and keeping the creative flow going, I think just listening to a lot of other stuff that's out there and um, and don't be afraid to rip stuff off from from songs that you think are really cool. Like you could take a John Mayer chord change and and just create your whole 
or other original song to that. And, you know, mm-hmm. you make your own melody. It's the only thing that's technically can be copywritten is the melody and the lyrics. So even if you wanted to take the chord structure and whatever from a song that you really like and use that as a jumping point or jumping off point to start creating your own thing, I think it's, I think it's okay. I think just um, don't limit yourself and that, that will kind of teach you how other successful songs have been put together and you can use that information in your own process. So I guess just learn from, learn from people who have come before you would be the main take home from that. Okay. This is the lightning round. Just give me, you know, one word answers or as close to one word as possible. First thing that pops in your mind, no cheating. Okay. All right. What's the last book you read? Um, there's a business book called getting things done. Uh, what was the last song you listened to? I think it was, uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, what's it called? Can't the new one from feeling. Man of the Woods? No, it was a oh, from Trolls. Oh, Can't Stop the Feeling, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the last movie you saw? Was it also Trolls? <laughs> the last movie that I saw uh, may have been Wonder Woman uh, on the plane ride to Israel. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure song? The song you love that you're embarrassed to love? Oh, it's probably journey open arms or something like that i love all those 80s big rock bands nice um what's your most used emoji (laughs) probably the uh confused smiley face (laughs) (laughs) and mic drop no um what's your favorite food or cuisine i really like uh indian and thai food Uh, if i'm going out somewhere I also like Mediterranean food, yeah. Yeah, that's why we get along. Well, um, I just want to thank you again so much for giving the time to uh, do this. It was really fun to get to catch up with you, as always. It's never enough yeah. time, I feel like. Um, and I don't know when I'm going to get to see you next, but um, but hopefully soon. Absolutely. This is Returning to Who I Am by Todd Herzog. Forgiveness, but it takes time, I know 
Can I use the pain I've caused you to store the trust from long ago? Can I overcome my weakness and find favor in your eyes? Will I find that you are closer than I? That's it for this episode of Jewish Songwriter. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. On the next episode of Jewish Songwriter, I thought, oh, this is where I should be. Jewish Songwriter is produced by Sheldon Lowe, edited by Ben Mazak of Native Sound on Historic Cherokee Street in St. Louis, Missouri, and distributed by Hallelujah Music. Until next time, keep writing out there, and thanks for listening. Every little part of my body Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.